screams! A Gundam! It's the Gundam Exia! Exia has located the targets. Have concluded the three Gundam throne units are guilty of promoting conflict. Commencing armed intervention. Exia will eliminate targets. What the hell do you think you're doing? Wrong. Huh? The three of you and those machines of yours cannot possibly be Gundams. and welcome to It's a Gundam, the internet's best episode-by-episode Gundam Seed podcast that's given Double O a try. My name is Jeremy. Gundam fight! I'm Tyler. (laughs) I exist to pester Tyler about just about everything. My name is Zach. In what capacity are you pestering me? He he was just pestering you before the mics went on. Oh, No one heard that. No, that's fair. That's fair. I know, right? Like like you mentioned a couple of weeks ago, since I can't come up with actual funny jokes, I will just reference things people will not understand. Also, like, uh, I pester you about servers. While we're on tangents, I'm pretty sure the first time I heard the word pester was in Pokemon Snap, because pester balls are what I think of when someone says the word pester. (laughs) I think of, like, a ball full of pepper. Huh. I guess I can see that. My my parents would always be like, hey, stop pestering your brother. So... Bonds. (laughs) James Bonds. I made that joke already. So we were watching episode 19 of Gundam Double O today, Bonds. I think it's another pretty good one. I think yeah. the first half's really good and the second half's really good. And there's a bit in the middle that <laughs> isn't so good. It's just perplexing. I'm not, it feels like they forgot to write it, actually. Do we just want to get right into it? Uh, there are three new druggies. Druggies Code Red. And Setsuno's like, you're not real Gundams. You're just here to sell more toys. I have to murder you because there are too many characters in this series. Setsuno's only driving their motivation is well, character economy. I mean, like I said before, you put down rabbit animals. Also, Louise and Saji are being very sad about Louise getting Star Ward. Well, I mean, she got more than Star Wars. She also lost all of her family, which wasn't part of Star Wars. Because if it was Star Wars, she just wouldn't have one to begin with. She might get one by the end. There might be a dramatic reveal in the second movie that what your family is isn't important and what you do is more important. But then nobody liked that movie except for lots of people who did. But lots of angry people on the internet didn't like that movie. So in the third movie, actually, who your family is is really important and Palpatine's your dad? Question mark. (laughs) (laughs) So Louise is going to be related to Lock-On? No, I was going to say Louise is now Anakin. She didn't lose enough bits. But she's working on it. One bit at a time. (laughs) Darth Vader wasn't built in a day. Well, I mean, Darth Vader might not have been built in a day, but I feel like Anakin was dismantled in one. He mostly overheated. Uh, shall we get into this? This episode's getting away from us. <laughs> <laughs> you can watch along on Crunchyroll or the DVDs or Hulu if you like. And I don't know. I think this episode's decent. I like the last one, so maybe you should. We start out with gunfire, like the last episode ended. And the druggies being like, what is this gunfire? Why is a Gundam shooting us? Why is Exia attacking us? This is literally just, we're getting you back on the page of what we what we showed you last week. As I say, I'm normally not a fa- fan of just, like, 
clip recaps like this, but it also only lasts like 20 seconds, so I'll allow it. I'm fine with it when it's this quick. So Exia goes to sword at Nana, but Michael jumps in the way and is like, I also have a sword. And, and both of them are like, we're on the... S- well, Nana is like, we're on the same side, and Setsuna's immediate response is, wrong. No, you guys are promoting war. You cannot be Gundams. And I'm only friends with people who could be Gundams or currently are Gundams. <laughs> I'm just imagining Sensitive's dating profile. Yeah, he's like, Gundam or Gundam Curious. <laughs> so, Graham? <laughs> oh, no. I now imagine Christina's uh, dating profile, which is woman seeking hot bod. Um. <laughs> Androgynous a plus? Abs a double plus. Oh, it's so sad seeing Saji and Louise play together in the opening now. Oh, uh, it really is. I hope they Although keep I it. guess now she has a reason to not give him a hand up. <sighs> <laughs> so after the opening, Setsuna is sword fighting Michael. He's just kind of holding his sword out, being like, oh, please don't hit me. And Setsuna's just like, uh, uh. <laughs> it's not very effective sword fighting, given what we've seen Setsuna do before. So Johan's like, hey, Exia's pilot. We're going to try and talk this out. What the fuck, man? We're on the same side. We're trying to eradicate war. And he's like, no, you aren't Gundams after all. And Johan's like, okay, I'm not dealing with this. You're confused. Michael, you can go ahead and kill him. He says engage. So now it's three on one. The Exia shield almost instantly gets blown off by the throne's big gun. Michael deploys his fangs. But Sazen is like, dude, do you know how, do you see how many swords I have? I do love that he just keeps throwing swords at them. I do also like that Johan just stopped shooting for a minute. He's like, yeah, I'll let Michael handle this. And Michael's like, I have more. And I feel like Setsuna should be like, I have more swords. Dude, <laughs> I'm not out of swords yet. But they're coming at his rear and about to get him when a giant ass particle beam destroys them. And uh, it's the Virtue joining the fray, and they're the, this is the last person anybody expected to show up, right? Including Setsune. He's like, Tiara is here? I thought he was in space. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought he hated me. And he has the same, like, pre-battle announcement of, I'm ready to kill these fuckers, but he says it more politely than I do. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I have nearly as much ambition to do a uh, Gundam double-o dub um, as I do any of the other shows that we've watched, but man, I really want Tiaria to just be, like, constantly cursing. <laughs> Sounds amazing. <laughs> so we cut up to the Ptolemaeus, where Christina is telling Sumeragi about how unruly the boys are being. And, like, her response of, wait, Tiaria's going in too? What the hell? I thought he hated Setsuna. And Ian's like, ah, oh, two Gundams fighting amongst themselves. That's terrible. They could wipe each other out. And last, he has the great, leave him alone, old man. How many <laughs> times do we have to teach you this lesson? <laughs> I do love the young people. <laughs> and like, he's like, yeah, they piss me off. And then we have the amazing bit of Christina deleting her wallpaper, the picture of her and Johan. <laughs> uh, it's great. And she's like, oh, he was so hot, too. Oh, well. I and hate then, it when my pot, when my hotties end up being problematic. And then Ali is like, well, it's possible that they're uh, they're part of the plan. And Sumerog is like, well, yes, but us attacking them could also be part of the plan, because who the fuck knows at this point? Yeah, I was going to say, Veda works in mysterious ways. <laughs> so Lockon's like, hey, what should I do? And Sumeragi's like... Uh, well, tell him to try to stop them from fighting, but also tell him he's an adult and I will respect his decision, wink. (laughs) (laughs) She does that, and then Lichty is like, so you're really just saying, do whatever you want. Zumarag is like, I'm glad you picked up on that, because 
fuck those guys. Seriously. So Christina's like, are you going to go Alleluia? And he's like, well, narratively speaking, I probably should. It doesn't really make sense for me not to be in the conversation that's going to be later. But tactically speaking, I should probably stay here and guard the ship just in case. It is going to feel really awkward when I'm not down there, though. <laughs> like when they wait, come wait, back wait. and they're all like best friends talking about going bowling. I'm going to be like, what did I miss? Well, I mean, I feel like they start out a little bit tense, but then everybody is like, yeah, let's go bowling. And they're like, did character interaction, did character growth happen for you three while I was gone? So Lockon's like, man, Haro, that guy's crazy. And Haro's like, you didn't stop him. And Lockon's like, mm, you're not wrong. <laughs> and uh, he he's actually, he seems to be grateful to Setsuna because uh, it's letting him do the same thing. I was like, I let the impulsive teen impulsive team so I can responsible adult. And they just happen to be in the same direction. <laughs> anyway, I respect Setsuna for trying to become a Gundam. And he does explain what he thinks Setsuna sees the, the Gundam as, as a symbol of, to eradicate war. Yeah. He's like, that's respectable. So let's go back him up. I'm ready to start shooting things. I haven't shot things in an episode or three. Cut to Chun-Li's house. Because we've got to run through everybody uh, reacting to this new development. And her brother's like, is he justified to do that? And she's like, man, what is justified? Does it seem to you like she like was holding some party at her house or was getting ready to go to a party or something with this dress she's wearing? She's definitely in her formal outfit. Maybe it was just formal Friday. Yeah, I was actually going to say that. She just chooses one night a week to get really dressed up. She has all these outfits, Zach. And she repeats, like, as long as they change the world, I don't care how it's done. Kill as many civilians as you like. And then Alejandro Corner is talking at ribbons, and he's like, a fight between Gundams. It's sooner than I expected. They're, they're, ki- they're trying to kill each other faster than I was thinking they were going to. Which is, I feel like, the first genuine confirmation that he's not on the level. We've gotten yeah. all sorts of hints at it. This is where they're just cutting ties with pretending. Hey. Maybe he's got non-ulterior motives. Well, especially because he says we are, we've moved into the third stage, whatever the heck that means. He only thinks it. He doesn't even say that to Ribbons, who just smirks. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if that means I read a lot into that smirk, and I don't know if anything oh. is necessary. Well, I'm very curious what you read into it. I'm wondering if Ribbons is manipulating Alejandro in some way. Because there was also that conversation a little while ago about Ribbons being like, basically discussing the nature of how they met each other. And Alejandro is like, no, it was destiny. Yeah, well, like I said, Ribbons Allmark is a very minor character that just happens to share a voice actor with Amaro Ray for complete coincidence. <laughs> Back to the Exia and the Virtue, where Tiari is like, assume information S32. It's time to use all those magical girl poses that Sumeragi tried to drill us on that we've refused to use because we're not friends. <laughs> Uh, I was going to say Ginyu Force uh, poses, but... This isn't in Super Robot Wars 30, so it has nothing to do with the Magical Girl stage. <laughs> um, sorry, Idol stage. My bad. Anyway, they do a jet stream attack, only with jig-ass particles to be even more distracting. Well, and a shield. Yeah. So the, the Virtue is like, I am a tank, bitch. You can't kill me. And the Exia jumps out from its blind spot, but it's still two on three. So they seem to get the advantage, but Tiaria manages to break them up with a giant ass shot as he's like, man, I never thought we'd fight side by side, Setsuna. Like, well, specifically in formation, because they've obviously fought together before. It's just been, you know, you happen to be in the same neighborhood as I am. And everybody is surprised that this is actually seeming to bring Setsuna and Tiaria together. Sumeragi just looks absolutely dumbstruck that they're actually using these formations. Right. No, she I- looks like a proud mother to me. Well, like, she originally looks dumbstruck, and now she looks like a proud mother. 
Like, when, when it's originally announced, they're using formations, and she's got the, am I drunk right now? <laughs> I, I do like that Christina's like... I'm either like, not drunk enough, or I'm too drunk. They even pulled out F-52. <laughs> you know, that one, that requires them to do, like, a buddy, it's a fusion dance. <laughs> and they're both Vegeta. <laughs> so, Johan and Nana pull back to do their big-ass cannon shot. But Tiara is like, I'm not gonna let you do that, and flies right between them, but they're like, ah, this was a clever trap. And now you're between us. Virtue apparently has a beam saber that he never bothered to use before. Not like he needed it. Well, I mean, there are certain instances where it would have been useful. Anyway, uh, Johan's like, you've fallen into my trap. Tyria's is like, you've fallen into my trap. He's like, seven tools of the bandit, bitch. Imperial <laughs> order, this motherfucker. I have a Gundam in my Gundam. So he activates Nodley in <laughs> atmosphere. So, man, picking up all of this stuff's going to be a bitch. I was just thinking it's full magical girl transformation. This must go much faster than we see. I kind of wish we had seen some of the jettisoned armor hit the other two mobile suits. That would have been, been kind of cool. cool. So he turns into his magical girl form, the Nodley. And we see that it has the power to take control of enemy Gundams. Oh, I was going to say just seen real loud. But... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it hurts Hara, whatever it's doing, and the two Gundams that he's near just fall down, completely inert. Now, you follow them immediately and finish them off while they can't hurt you. You well, don't that's... stand around and, and gloat about it. Or, you know, grab one of those big-ass cannons that were on your back and shoot them. Well, he has to tell the audience what's going on, which is that he can take control of all machines linked with Veda, because that's what Nodley's true power is. It's a good thing we didn't reveal that to the UN. <laughs> And he's like, only I, Tiaria Erd, you have this cool trial system. Because I am a cyborg nebulously. And my eyes are glowing orange. So Tiaria draws his beam saber and is like, I now pronounce you guilty and sentence you to 10,000 deaths. <laughs> so he charges them, but then the system is shut down, presumably by Alejandro? Because we get a close up of him smiling. And his eyes unorange when it's shut down as well. Just in time for Johan to fly away. And Tiari is like, what the hell happened? It, How did they forcibly disengage my Gundam systems? Like, I kind of want to know the answer to that, too. Yep. I assume that they more cut the link than anything else. Although it, his eyes also going unorange is interesting. Yeah, but we don't know what that means. Yeah, fair. Also, these eyes of mine are glowing orange. Their loud gaze compels me to defeat you. Take this, my exploding burning hair. But so when they go in to get... On position over the Nodley, Dynamis shows up and is like, yo, you got room for one more? No, it's three on three. This would be a cool rest of the episode fight. Yeah, this is going to be an awesome fight between this lot. Fair fight. And Johan's like, uh, let's leave. Let's run away because they're flat out better than us. Well, and it hinders our plan. We have nothing to gain here. Is a true sentence. Because as far as the thrones are concerned, they are on the same side. Yeah, so now the, the lines are drawn. Now don't let them run away. You you can win this fight pretty handily. Yeah, Lockon goes on top of that, the first throne is damaged. Lockon goes to tease them about running away, but Johan is like, before you fight us, you have other enemies, Lockon Stratus, or should I say, Neil Delandi. That's right. I've told your friends your embarrassing name. <laughs> <laughs> it's so Irish nebulously. <laughs> I love that's another record. That's your name? <laughs> like, you just don't look like a Neil. You, you look a little bit like a Lockon or a Stratos. Like, if they said you were John, yeah, I could see that. Or, like, Steven. But Jack. Neil? I, I could see him being a Jack. Steven DeLandy. <laughs> Johan says he's been reading up on them in Veda, and 
Tiaria's like, oh, that's the information from level seven that was hacked. And Yuan's like, lock on, allow me to tell you your backstory. <laughs> <laughs> your parents and sister were murdered by terrorists, and one of those terrorists is now right next to you. Why are Setsuna and Tiaria just standing around listening to this? Um, like, you came out here with the express purpose of putting these three in the ground. Why are you letting them talk? Well, remember how I said that Tiaria is a judgy bitch? Um, <laughs> he's just, like, really into gossip, and <laughs> this is some sweet goss. Then in that case, why is Setsuna, who impulsively came out here with the express purpose of putting these three in the ground, letting this motherfucker talk? Uh, that's a much better question. I was trying to come up He's with just a- so distracted by the fact that Neil's name is Neil. <laughs> <laughs> so Johan goes, yeah, the KPSA was a rebel group founded in the Republic of Kruges, and among them was an individual named Soren Ibrahim. And Setsuna's like, oh no. And Lockett's like, who the fuck is that? What kind and of a name <laughs> is Soren Ibrahim? <laughs> <laughs> On the one hand, he does look just like a Soren, but what kind of name is that? And Johan's like, obviously that's Setsuna FSA. Obviously. Do you not get what I'm getting at? And it's so weird that Lockon doesn't like turn on Setsuna. His immediate thought is to reject this information because it's coming from his enemy, which is fine and makes sense. But it's so weird that they then don't act on this. Like ne- they neither are start infighting because of this information, nor do they ignore it and continue the fight. They just let them leave because the nar- narratively speaking, it is apparently not time for these people to die yet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, that's that's the real reason. Um, I'm going to say it's because Lock-On is shocked and the other two don't want to do anything about it. Yeah, I mean, I feel like you could make that work, but I feel like you need one other distraction to have. Yeah. Like, they need to reveal some power they haven't used yet, or there need to be some Americans coming that are just going to split this fight up. You need one other thing for that to work. Yeah. Because as it stands in a vacuum, the Celestial Bean guys don't really have a legitimate reason to stop because of the way Lock-On is portrayed here. He doesn't immediately turn on uh, Setson or start questioning him. His immediate response is to disregard this information. Yeah. Or at least be like, I'll deal with that later when I am not in a combat situation. I should be reasonable about this. I'm not Shinoska out here. <laughs> I alluded a little bit last episode to feeling like they might have been really rushed by having to get to a climax in 25 episodes that maybe wasn't originally intended. And I feel like this is one of the places where it suffers at. Or they were suddenly like, okay, we need the Meisters to get together. We need them to find out about their backstories. It all needs to happen at once. And I feel like they really rushed and they forgot the part where Team Trinity gets away somehow. I feel like the outline said Team Trinity gets away somehow. And no one <laughs> they didn't wrote know to fill it in. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, Pikachu shows up. Team Trinity's blasting off again. Anyway, you need revenge on Sora, Neil. Bye. And then they just fly away. <laughs> they used the run command and got away successfully. <laughs> what you gonna do? Now, before we can leave this zone, we all have to spend the next uh, three hours picking up all of the Virtues pieces. <laughs> That's what they have Haro drones for. I-, I was wondering about the practicality of that, but yes. It makes slightly more sense in Zero-G when they're not gonna all, like, sink to the bottom of the ocean, for instance. And presumably you could just, like, use a magnet. Yeah. The Nodley might even have one. So here we don't get an eye catch. Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening to episode 19. This one got away from me somehow. It says so right here in the script. Ha <laughs> ha, callbacks. Speaking of callbacks, I'm enjoying a fantastic cup of coffee. Not that anyone needs to know that, but it might explain some things. Uh, nothing in particular to announce this week. Uh, hey, we just recorded the second episode on the Monica Magica movies, and... I think I maybe like that better than the first one, and I liked the first one pretty well. 
the summary I'll put out there for you is uh, if, like me, for some reason you haven't watched those, go watch the series instead. It's slightly better. But either are good. Either are good. I'm really excited for the third one. That's it. I'm, I'm just hyped for the third Monica movie. And also, you can go listen to us talk about it on the Patreon. There we go. Got the plug in. Anyway, that's it. Back to the episode. Bye. And we cut back to the White House, where the president is still being upset about there being seven Gundams. I feel like he maybe just starts every meeting with everyone now with just <laughs> seven Gundams, because that's all we've seen him do. This is uh, starting to drive him into dementia, early onset <laughs> dementia. Yeah. The advanced Europeans are like, oh, we have no choice but to either surrender to them and disarm ourselves or team up with the other blocks. And guy with mustache is like, oh, that would mean the death of our national identities. But Longnose gets a report and is like, ah, good. And then presumably China, the HLR, are also getting this report. As they're like, somebody claiming to be affiliated with Celestial Being has contacted us through the network. (laughs) (laughs) They left all sorts of good ones and zeros for us. Apparently the the guys who named the factory from (laughs) Seed Destiny are still roaming around. They had enough data on the organization that all of the intelligence agencies are presuming it's accurate information. And perhaps God has not abandoned us after all. There are good memes. There are bad memes. Why has Gundam forsaken us? Ketu Hospital in Spain, where Saji is still nursing Luis. He got her some flowers. He is listening to the news. I do like that he's filling the vase up in the bathroom, is what I assume that room is. Definitely seems to be some sort of washroom. Right, Luis continues to stare out of the window like she's the main anime character. Being a very depressed. And Saji's like, hey, I brought flowers. I'll put them over here since you're not responding to me. This isn't <laughs> awkward. Yeah, and then he proceeds to awkwardly stand there for a while because you know what? That's a reasonable response here. Well, I mean, it, it kind of gives the impression that even though she's not currently talking to him, he just wants to be close to her. But after an awkward silence, she's like, hey, Saji, go back to Japan. You shouldn't miss any more school. I'm happy you're here. But you can't stay here forever, and I would feel devastated if I was stood in the way of your dream to work in space. I like through when when she starts that she's not looking at him, almost as if she's trying to compose herself for when she finally does. I will say, I really like this scene, but also this is some melodramatic teenager-ass bullshit. Oh yeah, obviously. We have two melodramatic teenagers here in a frighteningly healthy relationship for two teenagers, right? (laughs) This is their worst problem is amazing. Well, especially uh, because it is a remarkably healthy relationship in an anime. Yeah. In a piece of fiction in general. And she's like, if you stay with me, it's only going to create friction between us. And I'll always feel guilty about holding you back. And I don't want to be that person. And you'll regret the things you don't do. Literally, my one problem with this scene is I don't understand how she thinks she's going to be holding him back. I think the idea is he's missing school. He won't be able to get into a good college. He won't be able to get a good job. And presumably, like, the other side of that is maybe because she feels like without one hand she wouldn't be able to go and work in space with him anyway. Like, she wouldn't be able to stay with him. She's going into engineering. (laughs) That doesn't require... Look at me. Look at me. (laughs) Are you offering me a hand? (laughs) I mean, we don't know what the requirement is to, to go work in space. That's fair. They may require space training, which requires both hands. I, I presume it's mostly melodramatic teenager bullshit, yeah. but I also think it's a lot of, hey, if you miss too much school and fail because of me, I will feel bad because of that. And she's like, hey, can I ask you to realize my dream for me? My dream is to see your dream come true. 
And Saji's like, well, okay, that's kind of bullshit. I, I'm not sure if that was originally the plan there, but it... I mean, this does really reflect that their relationship... Like, they do care deeply for one another. Yeah. So Saji clearly wants to stay, but as previously established, has a weak will. Well, I mean, he just can't say no to Louise. Yep. So he walks out, sad, looking back, but... She gives him kind of a cheery-looking wave from a distance. And we get an insert song start to play. It's very sad. I will admit, when this started up, I'm like, damn, is that the episode already? Because <laughs> this, this feels very much like it's supposed to be the end of the episode. Yep. So then we get a very interestingly edited clip section of their relationship in reverse order, which is kind of a nice effect. It starts with them at the airport and then goes back through all the scenes in the series so it can end on stuff we didn't see specifically the way they met. Although I think they maybe use a few too many of the clips. Yeah. I think they might la- It does last a little bit too long, which is one of the reasons why I was also thinking that it must be the end of the episode. I mean, that's certainly to fit the song. Remember that time that they almost fell into space and died? <laughs> yeah, remember that time they tripped on space? <laughs> remember that time they met Tetsuda in the park? While he was eating the hot dog? Look, I still think about that meteor coming down. And, like, that seems so good. Yeah, but they didn't see that part. They didn't. But I remember it. And then, like Jeremy said, it ends on when they met, which apparently was because Saji was sleeping in the cafeteria. Well, so what actually happened is Luis was like, he's cute. I think I'll date him for a while. Yeah. She was like, oh, there's a boyfriend. I will go grab that real quick while I'm here. (laughs) He seems to be a particularly uh, trustworthy local that I can use. I do also like that she just introduces herself and then... uh, immediately skips honorifics and just is like, hi, Saji. And he's like, isn't that a little Ford? And she's like, are we not there yet? And he's like, oh, I guess we are now. (laughs) And then as soon as it cuts out of that, we see Louise just crying. Yeah, which makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say she just did something extremely hard that, honestly, she probably didn't want to do. Yep. Now she's going to cut him out of her life because she's a dramatic teenager, which she should just call him when she gets discharged. Yep. He would show up to bring her back. Like, it's (laughs) not like she got family there. Well, and he would definitely bring her with, like, he'd let her live at his house. And his sister would be like, she cannot live at this house. And Saji would be like, I'll figure something out. You're barely here anyway. And and Kino would be like, fair. Now I'm just imagining him, like, hiding Luis in the attic. (laughs) (laughs) I <laughs> no, I just I had an image of him being like, "Hey, Setsuna, we're, we're neighbors, right?" Yes. <laughs> Can I ask you for a favor? Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, you're never there. <laughs> I need to hide my girlfriend from my sister for a bit. She, what? She was attacked by Gundams, and then he'd be like, "Hmm, I think I'm morally obligated to help you now. I don't like that." <laughs> <laughs> but it is true. So speaking of Kinoe, we cut to her at a coffee shop with Kohai. He's like, yeah, Lagoon is that famous guy who owns all of the military and space and trains. And, and our uh, and, and our the company. News. So we have to end the investigation now because he's going to crush it. He, he says he controls the orbital elevators. And this is kind of the first thing that we've heard that those aren't controlled by governments because they actually implied in the first episode that yeah. they were controlled by the government. They're maybe controlled by the governments but maybe owned by like the individual company that like created yeah i have no idea how the hell that arrangement so works. my thing is because he mentions trains i think it's more a matter of him being you know exaggerating because he like runs the train system on board the orbital elevators or like supplies most of the parts for them yeah so kino is like yeah we'll just investigate in secret that's how you get breaking news <laughs> This is called journalism. Listen, Kohai, it's a scoop. So then we cut back to uh, Gundam Meister Island, where there is a 
remarkably well-balanced discussion over what was said by the Gundam Thrones. Like, this is remarkably mature for a Gundam series. I mean, a gun does get involved unnecessarily, but yes. They're like, let's not be shitty teens about this. Let's discuss this like adults. Is it true you were a member of the KPSA, Setsuna? And Setsuna's like, yeah, I will not lie to you. Well, I mean, I feel like is like, I'm a terrible liar anyway. Gundam does not lie. And he's like, and you're from Krugis? And Setsuna's like, yes, I did say that already to you. And Tira's like, oh no, he had a tragic backstory. Setsuna starts to, like, ask about it. He says Nana, but Johan was actually the one that was saying most of it. Yeah, but that's the only one his name he remembered because she made <laughs> out with him. So uh, Lock-On's like, yeah, it's true. Now let me give you a more detailed explanation that you probably already know. And by you, I mean the audience, some exposition about world politics 20 years ago when my family died. And you were fighting in this war. As you know, Setsuda, you were forced to become a child soldier. So <laughs> like, yes, I do know that. Thank you. <laughs> I just told you. The, the poor turn to their god. Yes, I remember that part. Was involved, remember? I do kind of like this a little bit because also at the same time, Lock-On's like rationalizing it a little bit. I'm making fun of it, but this does kind of more feel like Lock-On is trying, like he's putting his own feelings into it and trying to like work out how he actually feels about Setsuna being involved in this. And I think it's also to see if he can, like what Setsuna's reaction to it is. And I think it's to try to make the political situation seem more realistic for Zlatan's like it's not God's fault that this happened it's not religion's fault because people were trying to use that it's not the solar power that people were fighting over this fault or oil but it is what happened and like I don't know why and that's why we need to burn the system to the ground with our Gundams also I understand you were just being used by the KPSA and we're like six so you did not really have a choice <laughs> you didn't really have a choice you just got dragged into it I got dragged into it this has been a Wait, I've been carrying for 20 years. And Tiari is like, so, uh, so dead parents. Is that why you became a Gundam Meister? Is that why you became Batman? And so Lockon is like, yeah, that's exactly it. And uh, now I know that I'm doing the same thing terrorists do, but I will willingly walk that road down. I do and- like this part of his speech a lot, actually, where he's like, I-, I chose not to cut the chain of violence and chose to fight back. And damn it, you can punish me for it after I've changed the world. He says the, I will willingly accept my punishment after I've changed the world. So it's like, he knows what he's doing is going to be classed as wrong by a lot of people, but he's willing to do it anyway. And then he pulls a gun on Setsuna. And TR is like, okay, look, we need to get our emotions out. I want to shoot him too. (laughs) I told him I would shoot him in the back, but this is not productive, Wakan. And I, Tiaria Erd, am being the voice of reason, so you should uh, (laughs) consider that a moment. And Lockon's like, yeah, but I want to shoot him so bad and avenge my family, since he was the suicide bomber that... Wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and and he says, let me settle the score, and Setsuna doesn't reply. Yeah, I love how stoic Setsuna is about it. I love how this reveals that Setsuna has, like, almost literally no ego. I feel like this is also one of those situations where Setsuna's like, I understand exactly where he's coming from. Yep. Plus one. (laughs) Uh... And I think this is also demonstrating that Setsuna really act- does trust Lock-On to not actually shoot him. I think Setsuna was just willing to let Lock-On shoot him. I, I think he was okay with that outcome. Yeah, because like, I-, I literally think he has no ego. He's about to say that all I want to do is end war. And Lock-On says, you can't do that if I shoot you. And he's like, no, but you could do that. 
that is a good point. Yeah, he he doesn't care. Like it doesn't have to be me. Yeah. Like, I'm doing this because I can, but if it's not me, so long as somebody does. And he trusts Lock-On to be the one to do that. Yep. So he's like, here's my story. I was brought up believing in God, and some guy told me to shoot my parents for God. And then I thought, oh, God was made up. So that kind of fucked me up. And uh, Lock-On is like, that's not a really good excuse. And says this like, I'm not done, Dad. (laughs) (laughs) Now, if you want to get revenge... Let me give you a name. Yeah, let me give you a very specific person. Oh, man, it's sure is convenient that we have this one particular person who causes all wars, I guess. He's a war junkie. Ali Alsaches. That's the leader of the KPSA's name, or the former leader. Now he's a mercenary. I love how Tiaria and Lockon both, like, repeat that name back. Because it's kind of along with, the fuck kind of a name is that? Isn't that the villain in Aladdin? <laughs> And Setson's like, yeah, I saw him in Moralia, and I wanted to ask him where his god was, so I got out of my Gundam. And Tiaria's like, hmm, I understand that. That's weird. <laughs> so that's why you got out of your Gundam. Anyway, that guy sounds like a prick. And since it's me, Thierry Erde, saying that, you know it's got to be true. <laughs> I think that's the most expressions we've got out of Setsuna, like, this entire series, because he looks sad here. Yeah. And here's where they, they have that conversation of Lock-On's like, you can't do it if I if I shoot you. And Setson's like, yeah, you can do it instead of me, Lock-On. As long as this world has changed, I don't care. But while I am alive, I'm going to keep fighting. I'm not going to mope about the world. I'm going to actively try to make the world I want. But it doesn't have to be made with my hands. There's no ego in it. And I actually really like that he goes on to say, not as Soren Ibrahim, but as Setson FCA. I think there's a lot to be unpacked there in identity. It really does kind of give that, like, I said, the, like, this is a person that I set aside or a person that I consider to be dead. I'm Setsuna Fsei now. I am Gundam. I am Gundam. <laughs> Which is a literal line. And Lock-On is just like, I I don't know what to say to this. I, I, I literally can't shoot you. He's like, that's so crazy. I don't even want to shoot you, you damn Gundam otaku. Yeah, and it and, says it was like, I am. Thank you. <laughs> and most importantly, he smiles at this. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, t- to me, that's a great compliment. Wait, to which Tiaria and, and Lock-On are just like... Well, Lock-On starts cracking up as Tiaria is like, hmm, humans, huh? <laughs> so this is how you human. Interesting. Cut to Africa, where the Trinities are. They don't do anything important. This scene is kind of meaningless. They're just like, let's go kick those Gundam's asses. Hell yeah. I guess they also confirm that they're asking Laguna for instructions. So I guess that's important for this scene, but that's about it. Then cut to Antarctica? Why, yeah, wildly. Also, the ending theme is playing because now. Because nobody apparently was paying attention to Antarctica while all this was going on. And there's just this there's hangar? Yeah. Storage the, facility? Uh, full of what I have dubbed weapons-grade butt plugs. <laughs> yeah, specifically, there are a bunch of generals on the elevator from all the countries going down to see these weapons-grade butt plugs. They're conical. They look like escape pods, I guess. Yeah, it's not a great... I don't know what they're supposed to be. I know what they're supposed to be, and I'd like, this is not a good tease. Like, it's so slapped on the end, I feel like it's real easy to miss the connection between this and all the presidents getting information, even. (laughs) Yep. Are they engines? Oh, solar reactors, basically? I mean, that'd be my guess. Because they don't seem to be, like, they don't give off an obvious, this is a gun thing, so my, my immediate thought is, 
engine, maybe. Yeah, my thought was like super soldier pods, but we kind of wrapped up the super soldier stuff already. They, they gave off too big of a like. They, they looked they too to physically too, big. Yes, even though there was nothing to scale next to them, it was largely because of we we saw the the elevator and they were looking down. It looked like they were looking at a particularly high, you know, high and, and distant angle. So they gave off a feel of like these are very big, not Jaeger big, but these are very big things. I'm just thinking we should have brought a banana or a copy of Fifty Cent Blood on the scan. <laughs> I think this episode's pretty good. Like I said, the Except middle is that a, middle bit. Yeah, the middle's a bunch of question marks, but the fight at the beginning's really good, and the like heart to heart between the Gundam pilots at the end is super good. We have been saying we need more characterization like this for a long time, and it feels like we've actually gradually built up to this. I think there's a lot of insight into Setsuna. I think the reasonable adulting between Setsuna and Lockon is really nice. And Tiaria slowly learning to human in the background is kind of a nice <laughs> bit, too. It's amazing. This is a series in which there is a significant disagreement and problem between two characters. And they handle it in a mature and adult manner. Yes, a gun is involved. But there's no physical... Like, they don't fight each other. They don't... There's no punching or anything like that. There's no yelling. It's a calm discussion with a single gunshot. <laughs> it's a nice, calm gunfight. Well, it's not a gunfight. Setsuna doesn't fight back. That's fair. Um, I also want to point out that the uh, I really like the Saji and Luis scene as well, and I just want to make sure that gets mentioned. It's oh no, it's it's a nice touch, and even if it is kind of melodramatic teenage bullshit. Yeah, I like it too. I just think, like I said, the clips go too long in it. I yeah. really like the effect of ending. Like, doing the scenes in reverse order seems really weird until you get to the bit that's new content for us. Yeah. But I think that's really well done. I don't think it's entirely in, in full-on reverse order, but it's very close. Do you have a high point, Tyler? Man, that's a tough shot. I got to go with uh, TRF specifically going, so this is human. <laughs> but also, I guess, the lead up to that scene. I, I do have a nitpick with that, though, and I think they do like a lot of, like, as you know, this is the geopolitical situation. Yeah. I mean, I think in that particular case, it's it's used for effect because it's coming from Lock-On and it gives more of the feeling less of uh, we're burning episode time to, you know, fill this episode out and more to like, this is Lock-On specifically trying to work through how he feels about this. Yeah, I, like, I, if you're, you're going to do right, it, it is there and it is kind of, you know, an as you know thing that they've done a, a couple of times. It's just in this particular case, I didn't really feel that bad about it because of the fact that it was this character who seemed to be more of using it as a like i'm trying to figure out how i feel about the fact that i've been working alongside someone i've I've claimed i'm trying to kill yeah it's not the clunkiest exposition that even this show has ever done it is a little clunky though zach what's your high point i think i might have to go with the fight at the very beginning between setsuna and tiaria even though it's pretty brief just setsuna and tiaria versus the three gundam thrones Unfortunately, when Lock-On finally does show up to get involved, the fight kind of stops. Yeah. Not because of anything Lock-On specifically does. Like Jeremy said, the, the Three Thrones used the flea command. It was successful. What? But the fight before that is pretty well done. Now I'm just imagining Johan if Lock-On hadn't shown up. Like, Tiaria, you're working with a terrorist. And Tiaria's like, yeah, I'm also pretty much terrorist, so. <laughs> What's your point? <laughs> I'm going to go with sets in his line about you could do it, lock on. I don't care. Like, that's fine. Because I think it explains so much about his character, like his Spartan apartment. Like, it all really comes into focus around that, about the fact that he just, like, has no ego. He has, like, a purpose, but he's not super driven towards it. It's just what he wants done, and therefore he's going to do everything he can to make it happen. And he's got backstory he has to work through and PTSD about that. 
that gets in the way. But well, I, like I, he doesn't care when he gets called to work because that's what he wants to do. I, I feel like it, it's not. I think you got it backwards, actually. I think he does have this purpose and he is super driven to accomplish it. That's why he doesn't have any possessions and doesn't mind being called into work at all hours or whenever it is, is because that is what motivates him to keep on going. Like, that is the one thing in life he wants. I, like, almost would say, like, because he keeps calling himself a Gundam, literally, like, I almost feel like that is now his identity. He has specifically eschewed his former identity, even though he clearly has hang-ups about it still. But, like, as a melodramatic teenager, he has adopted a new persona that is Gundam. That is his thing. Do you have a low point, Tyler? I'm going to say the the Kinue scene. Um, I don't know that any kinda of that. Kind of random? Kind of random, but, like, kind of kind of tonally dissonant there. Like, I feel like we needed that information, but I'm not sure that was the right spot to put that. Zach? Kind of went into it before. Team Trinity used used Flea. It was successful. Roar. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I had something because I knew you two were going to. Oh, what? It's the reveal at the end, which is should be like an, oh, no, what's that? What's the implication to these generals getting this thing? But it's a bunch of generals that are basically faceless and we don't know or care about seeing a bunch of things that we don't have any details on in <laughs> Antarctica, a place we don't care about. <laughs> Do you think it would have been better if it was like Colonel Sergei and Graham and yes. people like we already know? I think that would be better. And I think it would be better if we saw what the fuck they were seeing. I think that's the bigger well, thing. I think a bunch of ring. We just don't know what it means. Yeah, yeah, I think a bunch of randos seeing something significant is also just as good. But but since we don't know why it's supposed to be significant. Yeah. Yeah, although all the randos do seem pretty shocked about whatever the hell these are. Do you have an MVP, Tyler? Oh, man. Uh, come back to me, actually, because I'm having a hard time deciding. Um, I don't oh, know. A lot of characters had a lot of good moments in this. Zach? I gotta go with Lock-On because did you see that? He made both Setsuna and Tiaria smile. That's pretty impressive. That's fair. <laughs> I think I am going to go with Setsuna for the same reason as the high point. I think he really carries the conversation despite not saying anything. And I think it's super, super hard to give any depth to a quiet character. And it's really nice that they have. So, Tyler? I'm still torn between two. I think I'm actually going to agree and give it to Setsuna. For basically the same reasons. My runner-up was actually going to be Luis for, like, driving that subplot forward. And, like, even though it is a way over-the-top uh, melodramatic teenager decision, it's also a, like, weirdly mature decision at the same time. I am actually legitimately interested to see how they keep those two relevant in the story. Because I feel like they're going to continue to be. We spent way too much time with those characters for them to just up and leave the story right away. Well, Saji is going to become a new... Holy crap, I forgot his goddamn name. Angry boy. Shen? Shen? Shen Asuka? Yes. I'm like, you know, angry boy. <laughs> yeah, so Saji's clearly going to become a new Shin and he's going to destroy a battleship. He can't be Shin, Tyler. He still has a sister. Ah, uh, that's fair. But he did lose his parents. Shin never lost his girlfriend, though. What is still yeah. the Shin? <laughs> sister. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Uh, also, one of the things I did write was uh, still a better flashback sequence than Stella's. So... <laughs> Well, that's because Louise is a better character than Stella. <laughs> All right. We have, like I said, a lot of Gundams put on a list and we're running out of episodes. So I say we add the Gundam throne Dre. I am skipping this way on purpose. Is that the... The Dre is Nana's. Okay. It's the linebacker, the linebacker? With, with the magical girl anti-radar. <laughs> okay. I think it's better than the Ein for sure. 
I agree. Like, I, I'm still not super thrilled about it. It's the one I think I like the most out of the three, but... I think I like it more than The Forbidden, though I could be talked out of that. They have very similar chunky builds, but I think... I, I like the Drace gimmick a lot more than Scythe and Deflection. Yeah, I will say I like the Dry's gimmick more. I think I like the Forbidden more, partially because of color scheme, partially because I, I don't know, I just like the design slightly more. It looks less awkwardly bulky. Is Forbidden the one in the first? Yeah, it's got the scythe. Okay, well, I mean, the, the one in the second one also has a scythe. That's like an axe halberd thing. I was just trying to remember. I think I prefer the Forbidden as well. I think it has a bit more of a, like... The Throne Dry, or whatever the fuck one we're on right now, they have really stupid names, um, has uh, it's got a more interesting gimmick, but the fact is, like, I think the Forbidden just functions better. It has a specified role in what it's doing. Like, it, and the deflecting beams are cool. The Scythe is a cool weapon. Impractical as all hell, but still cool. I was actually going to make fun of Zach making fun of the Thrones names, but it occurs to me they're literally just Throne 1, 2, and 3, and that's those are dumb names. So <laughs> yeah, It's not because they're in German. It's because, well, I don't actually understand German, so keeping the 1, 2, and 3 straight is difficult, but just calling them 1, 2, and 3 is fucking stupid. All right, I think they're better than the Dual Gundam. I don't. Again, like it's got the cloak that gives it that linebacker feel, but underneath it, it's way too thin. I mostly like the gimmick a lot. I like the idea of a support Ewax Gundam. Yeah, I, I think I prefer this particular throne, uh, but not the other two. I mean, the, uh, these might as well be called the Anorexia Gundams. <laughs> I don't like it as much as the Force Impulse, which we have slightly above here. Which one is that's the, the Force? That's the standard one, right? Yeah. That, that's the Ale Impulse. Yes. <laughs> I think I like the Force Impulse more. The color balance is a lot better. The Ewax is kind of a nice idea. But the appearance, even though I hate the combining nature, the, the color balance is always better in those kind of things. Because Nathan's Gundam it, it still has the problem of the color balance is all kinds of weird. Um, yeah. All right. Better or worse, final question, than the Gundam 00 Diver Ace? I, I hate to say this. I think I prefer the Diver. Um, I, I don't know. It's got, it's got some stupid gun. It's, it's the one he... Uh, it's not the very last one, right? That he has, or is that... No. No, no. That's, that's the 00 Sky. Yeah, I was going to say it's got the dumb sword. I don't know. Um, I mean... <laughs> it's the, not the, when he has the soul, the, the sorter pads, right? No. That's no. the double O's guy that has the sorter pads? Yes. I don't know. It's uh, They're both fine. Um, I just prefer the Diver Race's color scheme, and it has a more traditional Gundam silhouette. I think I might have to agree with that, in, in part because I think it's based on a better Gundam design to begin with. The problem is Riku just drags it down so far. <laughs> yeah, I didn't ask, who do you like more, Nana or Riku? Uh, well, that's also a hard question. Honestly, I think I would have to say Riku because like I hang don't out want with, to sure. murder Riku. <laughs> As a character, I think I prefer Nana. Um, okay, you, you have feelings toward Nana. Do you have feelings towards <laughs> Riku? Do you have feelings towards blocks of wood? Um, so I guess you might be right on that count. I mean, I granted, like my feelings on Nana are put her in a sack and drown her like the rabid cat she is. But that's regard that's beside the point. You prefer the double O diver race? So the Gundam Throne Dry goes at number 68, above the dual Gundam and below the double O diver ace. Any final thoughts here? Like I said, pretty good episode. We are kind of in the home stretch of the first half. It's super weird that that's a thing, but it very much is. 
Well, because this is two distinct uh, seasons. It is and isn't, and it's very weird, and we will go over it. But yes, a little it bit has like, a climax. It's a, it feels like a little bit, from my understanding, to the two seasons of Code Geass, where there are two distinct storylines that connect to one another. Yeah, very similar, going on at the same time. I feel like Code Geass was better suited for that, though. I was going to say, I like this episode pretty well. I don't think it's quite as strong for me as the last episode. But we did get some much-needed character moments with the Meisters, and uh, I'm glad we got those. Someone finally went out to try and murder these three. Also that, yeah. Also Suts and I got to go try to murder some people. Who deserve it. All right, with that said, it's again the we'll return in Blade of Reformation. Just leave them alone, old man. 